Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I am Paul. And I'm in a different room. Yes, we're recording <laughs> remotely, so if we sound a bit different, this is why. It's weird. But we're going to make it work, and we're going to make it Christmassy. Hurrah! Hurrah, indeed. Why? What are we doing? Well, Ken, the last couple of years we've done various variations on the 12 somethings of Christmas. When we decided on this year's, I think we were both in a bad mood. (laughs) (laughs) And we couldn't think of 12 yays of Christmas. So we said, well, let's do the 12 things that we want to celebrate this year, things that have maybe disappointed us a bit this year. Huzzah, humbug. Huzzah, humbug. I have to say, since we decided on this theme, I have thought of about 100 things that could be yays, but we're going with what we decided. So we're going to do yays and nays of Christmas. Well, what's your first choice? Well, What's your f- I think, are we going for, with the yays? Well, I was going to say let's start with the nays because then we'll end on a positive. Good idea. So what's the first nay? My first nay of the year is, and it kind of pains me, but I'm going to go with Barry Humphreys. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Barry Humphreys, of course, very sadly passed away <laughs> earlier this year. So, yay, let's uh, stamp on dead people. And I absolutely love Dame Edna. But it strikes me that when Barry Humphreys died and we were sort of thinking about, are we going to do tribute episodes? And you obviously do various other podcasts where you look at archive TV. And Simon Exton, who is your original fellow podcaster, sent a, a bit of a message and it, it was sort of like just beware beware of Barry Humphreys and I looked into it a bit more and it turns out that actually we don't really know whether Barry Humphreys or Dame Edna was a huge transphobe and it, this isn't one of those where you know like we were talking about Biggins yes. where it was like oh they've made a comment but in this case I think it was Barry Humphreys said something that you can't change your gender. And then Dame Edna said, just completely ignore what he said. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But then as the years went on, and I don't know whether this was just because Barry Humphrey's stroke, Dame Edna was becoming older and there was like dementia and Alzheimer's, but there was a lot of things going on. But it became more confused. They were like arguing with each other. But both of them were coming out on the side of transphobia. And... Barry Humphreys was a brilliant comedian, absolutely hilarious, loved him. Dame Edna could do no wrong. But, you know, when you just think, it's just a shame that towards the end they let us down a bit. So it's more of a hmm than a nay, because I also want to pay tribute to them. But yes. Yeah, it's one of those things that did (laughs) polarise people quite a bit, and... Uh, it's always a sensitive subject. Whenever anyone has a comedy sideways dig at the 
transsexual area of comedy, <laughs> it, all of a sudden everybody has a sense of humour bypass. So I think, having not heard... Because uh, I, I do vaguely remember it was on the fringes of my awareness at the time. But having not directly heard what's been said... And in the context, I don't really want to comment too much, but just in that general area, I do think there's a lot of we're off limits. Thank you. Like Ricky Gervais has just done a stand-up and it sent all the flag wavers into a frenzy, totally missing the point. He does it on purpose, though. He absolutely does it on purpose. But it's cleverly done. I mean, I can understand, I can mm. see in many ways how or why Ricky Gervais rubs people up the wrong way. I can entirely see it. Because uh, he's a I, massive twat. I never heard to think such language from you. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the comedy material, nobody should be off limits. So long as it's not outright hatefully done, I don't think there should be anything that's off limits. I agree, I agree. And we'll talk about it in future, I, absolutely. The whole point of comedy is that there are people who will react badly to what you say. If you go out and tell jokes that are specifically to hurt people then it's a different thing. But you can't just go out and say, all right, I'm going to tell jokes that nobody's going to be offended by because that's not what jokes are. But anyway, yes, we will talk about this in the future. And on that note, I will never watch any repeats of the Benny Hill show because the, <laughs> the slaphead always got punished in those. God knows who would be offended by that. Up yours, Benny Hill. I weep for my follicles. <laughs> Well, my first nay of Christmas isn't a person at all. I haven't actually got any specific people this year, but I do have companies. And the first one on my list is Twining's Tea. Oh, yeah. I'm interested. Now, I have drank Lapsang Souchong tea for 30 years, and it is a wonderfully smoky tea. It's black tea that's been infused over pine wood fires. It's got a taste all of its own. It is smoke in a cup, and it's the most wonderfully refreshing brew. And after God knows how many years, they've said, oh, it's too difficult to source, and they've put out this distinctly smoky tea, which is actually tea that's been infused with boiled bleach. It's a very first world problem, but I am not alone. It's worth looking up the reviews on the Twinings website of their new distinctly smoky tea. They are not favourable. They've all got one star. <laughs> so yes, a very first world nay, but yeah, that's mine. Are you at all familiar Twinings. with Lapsang? No, I am very strictly an English breakfast and that's it. I never, never stray, stray from that. But yeah, but I outrage along with you because once you've found a tea that you like, that's it. Well, I was having this conversation with Ella the other day, my stepdaughter, and I said that you've not lost anything yet. There's nothing that you <laughs> love that's been discontinued. She's only 18. I said, just wait until something you've been enjoying your entire life, you can't get it anymore, and you will feel the burn. <laughs> Not got there yet. Happy 18th birthday. Yes, indeed <laughs> it was. It's her first hangover. 
my first yay of Christmas is going to be Neighbours. Huzzah! We did an episode about this probably about 18 months ago. Neighbours was coming to an end. And Neighbours, for our international listener, is an Australian soap opera which inexplicably went on for 37 years. But we all loved it. It was part of our childhood. And when it was axed cruelly a couple of years ago, I promised that if it ever came back, I would watch every episode of it. And so Amazon brought it back. So I have, I, I've watched all the episodes. I think there's so far been 54 episodes. They're free to view on streaming services. And it's great. It really is. It, obviously, neither of us watched it in the intervening periods between our teenage years mm. and the last episode, which we got together to watch. But we assume that it carried on in much the same vein. The new episodes have not lost their character. It's really good. It's very cheesy. It's very soapy. Literally, every other character is a gay or a lesbian or a trans person. <laughs> Uh, which you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> i mean i imagine some streets are like that in uh, suburban australia <laughs> it's really good it's escapism it's great and it's so good to have it back and when they announced that it was coming back i was so relieved even though i haven't watched it for like 30 years but it's brilliant to have it back and i'm so glad that i am now part of the neighbors community so yay neighbors Huzzah! Oh, that's lovely. I've seen a few comments from my mates on Facebook and Twitter, and they've not been giving much away. They've just been sort of squee when a returning <laughs> character comes back, or I didn't see them coming back into it. Wow, well done. So I, I take it it's peppered with old characters, is it? Yeah, they haven't just gone, oh, we're going to take a broad brush and get rid of everything. They've really stuck to the, the old thing and, and really tried to bring back a lot of the stuff. So it, it's very much classic Neighbours. Oh, lovely. I watch it for 22 minutes every day. I'd also like, although we have done an entire episode about it, to add an honourable mention to The Archers. Uh, while we're, while we're in this section of the podcast, because you introduced me to this earlier in the year and you said, give it a try. And I was like, no. And they said, oh, just listen to one omnibus. So I said, okay. And then since then, I've been absolutely hooked. And honestly, it's brilliant. So thank you, Ken. And thank you to the whole of the Archers because it's great. Well, my first yay of Christmas is King Charles III. Oh, he's mm. back. Now, it's not been an easy year for Charlie. <laughs> he's taken the throne and taken it in a quite a different direction than his mum. Oh, darling Q. But it's been a much-needed push towards being more relevant, I think. Now, I'm a big royalist, yeah. so are you, but I think we could probably both agree that there are areas where the monarchy could do to modernise a little bit. It doesn't need really to be an interfering political role, the monarchy, and I don't think it should be because that's not what it's there for. But in terms of being a figurehead or, a, a, or basically our biggest ambassador around the world, I think he's doing quite well as king. And he's had all the Harry and Meg stuff to deal with, which they've dealt with, in my mind, admirably by completely ignoring it. 
rather than getting into very public and you know derogatory spats that nobody's going to win. But I just think that for all the naysayers that, oh, abolish the monarchy, why should they have all this? I think that this year we've had a little boost, a little reminder that actually we've got a monarchy and it's worth having. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, especially because we've had the coronation this year. It was this year, wasn't it, the coronation? It does feel like a million years ago, but yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. And yes, there are always going to be people who say, oh, no, this is outdated and whatever. But it really brought it home, didn't it? How he's the king now. He's going to do things a little bit differently, but he's part of the institution. And it's really nice to have sort of settled in and have a full year with a king. And I'm still getting used to seeing his head on stamps and coins. Yeah, and once they figure out how to decompose plastic banknotes, (laughs) 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 which they thought was a great idea two years ago, and now (laughs) yeah, we might get him on plastic banknotes sometime soon. Go King Charles. My second nay. Again, it pains me. I'm going to go with Madonna and Cher. Gosh, a double bite of the cherry. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the reason why it pains me so much is because I was out for a meal on my own earlier tonight. And there was a group of people on the next table. And they were going through a list of women who were older than them. And they started off with Debbie Harry. And then they moved on to Madonna and Jen. And I thought, well, mm, but Madonna is, what, 87? And she's been on a world tour this year, and all credit to her. And lots of people have gone to see her in concert and had a great time. She's done a greatest hits tour. It's been brilliant. But in order to get tickets, you have to pay about £400,000. And you have to be online seven days before they went on sale. And you have to have a secret password. And I get it that there's lots of people who want to see her. But you should know who your fans are. And I'm going to bring in Cher because Cher's released a Christmas album this year. And you just think, oh, great, Cher, for the first time in a 100-year career, has released a Christmas album. It's going to be brilliant. And it had one song which sounds very, very similar to Believe that she released in 1990 with jingle bells in the background. And then the rest of it is all covers. And with both of those people, you have got fans who have gone back decades. I think you owe them a little bit more. So I think both Madonna and Cher have let their fans down this year. Hmm. You see, my biggest beef with stars when they get that big is that you pay as you say £400,000 per ticket to see them in concert you know once in a lifetime experience you might never happen might never get a chance again they're not going to perform down your local pub but they keep the fans waiting a couple of hours after (laughs) the concert's supposed to start do a quick set shorten it and then piss off Now, that's disrespectful. There are two exceptions to that rule, neither of whom I expect to see again. The first of all is Girls Aloud. Now, Girls Aloud was one of the first music concerts I ever went to, because I'm not a big concert goer. They started bang on time. They gave an amazing performance when they were still a five-piece. 
It was a genuinely great concert. And the other one, hats off all the way around, is Kylie Minogue. She was out there, bang on half seven. She gave a full set. She did an encore. She recognized how much the crowd loved her, and she gave that crowd what they wanted. That's not true for everybody else. Rihanna, I'm looking at you. That was another one. Two hours late on stage and spent the whole night telling us we lived in Manchester. Yeah, we know where we live, bitch. Sing. (laughs) So when we're raking it in on Patreon in 10 years' time as podcasters to the stars, we'll remember (laughs) this. When we're on the road live, yeah. From Wembley. We won't get our listener. We will invite him up on the stage so he's not on his own in the arena. Well, moving on, I'm going to hit you with my second nay. Oh. Oh, dear. It's Virgin Media. Oh. Oh. What? Dearie, dearie me. Now, Virgin Media, we have been with uh, two houses for a few years now because there's no alternative. And they have now the complete monopoly And they're expanding even further in 2024 with their broadband and cable and television and all the stuff that they do. Now, I don't have a problem with any company having a monopoly. You still have the option. You either go with the biggest company and follow everybody else, like Sky or something. I don't have Sky. I have no interest in it whatsoever. You know, I don't stream to all the biggest services like Amazon or Disney or what have you. I don't. The choice is there. With Virgin, you quite often don't have a choice in areas. It's either Virgin Mm. or 56K modem. The service is shockingly bad. All the call centres are abroad, and they don't understand a word you're saying, and it takes an age to get through, and then you just get through to somebody, start explaining, and you get cut off. The chatbot, as were on the website, doesn't work. It's impossible to get through to anybody on the phone or email when there's a problem. I've had to go through a friend who's high up in Virgin Media to get problems solved. It's not his job, and it shouldn't have to come to that. And the engineers that they've sent out have been absolutely wonderful. Local lads knew what they were talking about. Absolutely brilliant. But the customer service is shockingly bad. And for a company that big... Yeah, you've really hacked me off this year, Virgin, and it isn't the first time. You've done the dirty on other mates of mine as well. So, yeah. Again, another first world problem, but customer service is sorely lacking, I'm afraid, and it's not getting better. And that's certainly not confined to Virgin Media. Mm. Mm. No, you're absolutely right. We've got the platform here with our millions of listeners to to raise things like this. But, yeah... No, absolutely. If you're not getting the service that you want, then boo Virgin Media. Yes. Boo. Pull your socks up. Exactly. God. <sighs> My second year, oh, Miriam Margulies. We've spoken about her on the on the podcast before. She is quite a polarizing person, but she's a fantastic, as you may know, she's a lesbian. Sound the alarm. Um, 
she's had a very interesting career. So she, I, I've read her the first part of her autobiography. Anyway, quite bizarre start in life, and we all sort of know her from various things. People know her from being Professor Sprout and Harry Potter. People know her from various different roles that she's had in life. In later life, she's become a documentary person and she's made lots of documentaries about life in Australia where she lives with her wife, Heather. She's quite a big spokeswoman for LGBT rights. One of the things that I really like about her is that she said, I don't really understand what's going on with trans people. And she never really encountered those people before. And one of her documentaries was she was in Australia and she met this really weird tribe. I don't know whether it was in Tasmania, but anyway, and she met this like tribe of people where they have three genders. And so she met these people on the side of the road who were, you know, and she couldn't tell whether they were men or women or whatever. And they were just like, well, it doesn't really matter. We, you know, we're just here with our makeup on. That kind of made her think. And she has spoken out quite openly about how she doesn't get trans people. and um, Transphobe. Well, exactly. But what she's done is she's gone out and found out about things. And she's made a point, actually, in, in one of her more recent interviews, she, she did misgender so, so she she was like, oh, it's okay. I completely understand what's going on with non-binary people because I've met this non-binary person and, and then went on to misgender them about 100 times. <laughs> in the, in the, but it, it was from a place of trying to find out. And as she says, I'm old, I'm fat, I'm not going to be here for very much longer. I just think she's very genuine. I went to see her live in, uh, well, in conversation earlier in the year and It was really very eye-opening. She's had a lot of experiences. And I just think she's had a very varied and privileged life, which she accepts. And also, she was beat the meep in Doctor Who. So, hurrah. Huzzah, indeed. You see, just touching on what you've mentioned, though, this is my beef with the whole trans thing. She's made a faux pas or two in her life, which she'll... I mean, she freely admits, and she doesn't give a toss either. There's no intent there when a lot of people make faux pas. She's clearly been excused because she's... Well, she's married Marguerite. End of topic. She's beyond reproach. Yeah, she's allowed. (laughs) If somebody else had misgendered somebody, they would have been pilloried. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It makes no odds to me, but I will stress over and over until I'm blue in the face. Sorry to any blue people out there. If the intent is not there, that's it. If the intent's not there, if somebody's intentionally trying to be offensive, fair enough. But if they're not genuinely trying to offend, just let it go. Have a day off. Anyway, yeah. the end. And absolutely. And I know we're not focusing on things, but I will say in that case, when Miriam Margulies was talking about this trans or non-binary person, there was one person online who was like, oh, how can you claim that Miriam Margulies is an ally when she's misgendered this person? And that doesn't help. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, no, because she was literally on a chat show standing up for the people that we want her to stand up for and yeah she maybe mentioned a couple of words that were not right but she didn't do it out of any malice she's not a hater of the community she's part of the community so yeah yeah i completely agree let's choose our battles in 2024
Well, my second yay is David Tennant. Now, our shortest lived Doctor Who is... (laughs) Is David Tennant, who was the 14th Doctor for three episodes in 2023 and completely and utterly revitalised a show that has been dying on its arse for five or six (laughs) years. Now, he's not alone. It's just a new production team or an old production team coming back, actually. But I was somewhat sceptical about bringing an old Doctor back. For a second yeah. bite of the cherry. I, I was not entirely convinced that they shouldn't have just new slate, start afresh with somebody different. I completely fell in love with the man all over again within seconds of his opening. His mouth and his performance and his bouncy energy. Oh my God, the man is Doctor Who. And I am so sad that the 14th Doctor's era lasted three weeks. <laughs> I'll stand by it. Peter Capaldi is my favourite of the new Who Doctors. But David Tennant, my goodness me, that man put his heart and soul into that part. And he has really, really revitalised a flagging brand. So thank you, thank you, David Tennant, for shining off screen for three glorious weeks. I completely agree. I understood why he came back because there was a little bit of like, but like you, I mean, we were together when the first episode started and it was brilliant. Not without its problems. So Mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's not gloss over that. But David Tennant in all three of those episodes was absolutely fantastic. The 14th Doctor was supreme he was brilliant he made us all love doctor who again there was no doubt that we weren't going to love it again but he made it easy for us didn't he absolutely what's your final nay of christmas it's going to be football oh i'm Um, I'm on side with this yes (laughs) I have listened to our last two gays of Christmas gays of Christmas. And the last two episodes, in both of the times, I have named a professional footballer as one of my gays or yays of Christmas. Mm. And been very positive about how things are going to change, things are looking up for the world of professional football. And I think this year it's taken a bit of a downturn. Obviously, we had the World Cup which I think was last year, so it doesn't really count, but it was in, it was in Qatar. <laughs> We've also found out that the, the, the next... Sorry, got Qatar. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Excellent joke there. But I'm tish. <laughs> I think the next World Cup, or the next one that's been announced, is in Saudi Arabia. They've started up this new league in Saudi Arabia, so lots of the English football players who everyone thought was on board and they they wore their rainbow armbands and stuff, they've now been offered billions of pounds to go and play in Saudi Arabia. And it's just very disappointing. Um, so the guy who I chose last year as one of my years of Christmas, Jake Daniels, who's the first British out-playing gay professional footballer, one of his idols was, I don't know what people's names are, but it was someone who's you know, a professional footballer. I think he played for Liverpool. And then he, he got signed up to go and play for one of these Saudi Arabian clubs. 
and getting paid a hundred million pounds a week or whatever. And Jay Daniels said, I was so disappointed because I got all these messages from him when I came out and he was like saying, Oh yeah, I'm so proud of you, I'm so with you. And then he went to go and play in Saudi Arabia. Where if I went to even if I went to go and see him in a football match and I took my boyfriend with me, I was in danger of getting stoned to death. And I just think there were so many opportunities this year for football and sports in general to move forward. And it hasn't. What it's done is followed the money. And it's just very disappointing. I mean, as a massive sport follower, as you, know, you, like are, you yes. are, Ken, yeah, mm-hmm. it must have been disappointing for both of us. But yeah, yeah just, I just don't like it. Well, we've both grown up in Lancashire and it really is the, the working man's game in Lancashire. Unfortunately, those days are long, long gone. So me and sports ball don't really get on anymore because it's just, in order for the working man to watch football, they have to spend a lot of money. And that involves even sitting at home, subscribing to Sky Sports or whatever. So me and football don't really get on. And I can fully see why you're a touch disappointed in it, particularly from a gay perspective when you've got countries hosting it and the president of FIFA, I think, saying that this is the best World Cup there's ever been in Qatar. <laughs> it's 70 degrees outside in the daytime, so they're playing in the middle of the night. Stoning gay people to death. No, you can't wear your rainbow armbands. As a, It's a funny thing, is sport. I, mean, it sh- I don't really believe it should be used as a political platform. I'm kind of with them on that. But on the other hand, you're talking about... A biological imperative here. People don't choose to be gay. It's not a lifestyle choice. You either are or you aren't. So to to go to a country that kills people for being... Mm-hmm, yeah, a bit of a problem there. Bit of a problem. <laughs> I'm going to be equally negative by stoning oil companies to death. Oh, yeah. I don't think you're on your own there, Ken. Well, I thought I might be a lone voice in this, but clearly I'm not. At the time of recording, Israel and Gaza are having a little bit of a spat. Don't want to get into that. It's just way, way too complicated to pick a side. But the oil companies have decided, well, uh, how can we put the oil price up? Uh, some of our ships might get a bit dented. They might scratch the paintwork if we sail past Israel and Gaza. So um, we're going to have to put the price of oil up by 60% because we're going to have to piss off. Oh, there's a war in Ukraine. Uh, we'll have to put the oil up because we get a lot of our oil to a pipe that runs quite near to Ukraine. And yet, strangely, by putting it up 50p a litre 12 months ago, it's now back down to more or less where it was, even though the war is still going on. Kind of (laughs) exposes your hand there, you scabby bastards. So yeah, any excuse for oil companies. And people blame any number of reasons for the cost of living. The basic fact is oil, petrol, diesel, fuel is the most basic thing that we pay for beyond water. We need it, and we are held quite literally over an oil barrel by the fuel companies. We've had to put the price up because it's costing us so much more. And then Shell posts quarterly profits that are £5 billion in a quarter. Um, That's quite a bit of profit. 
Usually I do try and take both sides of an argument, but in this one, no, you're a bunch of cons. I completely agree. Absolute knobheads. <laughs> There's not really much to say to it. They, they no, are. No. They're crippling the planet. And um, I'm just wondering you know, when the oil finally does run out. They keep extending the date when oil's going to run out. But when it finally does, you know, when we get cold fusion... Because we know it can be done. They have found it. They found a way to do it. At the minute, it's massively inefficient, actually, cold fusion. It takes more energy to start it than it generates. But that will change. I'm just waiting for the day that they can find a way to tax us or charge us for water. <laughs> and they will. And they will. <laughs> My final year of Christmas is someone who has had a massive impact on all of our lives, but also has had a fantastic year. It is... Jesus Christ. Kylie Minogue. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What's brought this on? Well, I mean, she's just had a fantastic year. Always bubbling under the surface. Every year we have, oh, Kylie's done this. And we've been to see her in concert. But... This year, she said, I'm releasing an album. It's going to be great. And so everyone's like, oh. And then she, she released this song, and it was called Padam. Oh, yes, and, I heard that. I thought yeah, it was the and, tune for Netflix when it opens up. <laughs> it was. And that's, initially, everyone was like, what? <laughs> but, but then, once it actually was released and it came out and there was this video and the video was all very camp and it was her in a, a caravan site in a red raincoat and stuff. And it was her first number one thing. I mean, I know single sales don't really mean anything anymore, but it was her first number one single since Can't Get You Out My Head 20 years ago. But it was the first time that anyone on Radio 1 had played a Kylie song for God knows how long. And it just brought her back into the cool thing. And Kylie's never been that bothered about being cool. She always had a massive legions of fans and stuff. But it was great that she was there. And people who had never heard of Kylie were singing her song even though it was a nonsense song. I and mean, then people were going, oh, padam, padam. And, <laughs> and she even had the massive acclaim of having an audience with Kylie Minogue on ITV, which, which obviously is reserved for only the greatest of entertainers. She just had a really, really good year. She has sort of shone through all the criticism. And I think it's one of those where all different generations are singing the same song. It shows that she's doing great. And, you know, when I was saying earlier about Madonna, she's released several songs this year. Nobody knows any of them. Mm. Cher, you've probably heard her Christmas song because it's called Christmas Song. Everybody has heard and knows Padam. It was just a really good year for Kylie. And just because she's ace... I'm going to put her at the top of my Christmas tree this year. Well, it's very difficult to argue with that. Very eloquently (laughs) put, sir. And we all love a bit of Kylie. Mm -hmm. We love the rest of her as well. (laughs) My last yay of Christmas is... Cleveland's Car Market. (laughs) 
bet you didn't well, see that coming. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> now, it's a very esoteric one, of course it is, but it takes a lot to impress me these days, particularly when it comes, as I may have mentioned earlier today, customer service. Earlier in the year, I bought a second-hand car, and yes. I detest buying cars more than you can possibly dream because it's such a faff. Cleveland's car market made it the easiest process I found a car that I liked, and I've always been really sceptical because the last two cars I've bought I've been stung by. It's just part of one of those things in Britain that you just accept that there's a lot of con merchants out there. This lot, I looked on Google, the Google reviews, every single one of them stretching back 15 years with five stars. I thought, mm-hmm, okay, I'll give you the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. So I went to look at this car, and I phoned them up and I said I'm interested, and they validated it within an inch of its life. All the mechanical problems on it had been gone through. The MOT was clean. There were no advisories on it at all. It was basically like running in a new car. And I bought it, and about oh, two weeks later, there was a water leak. And I thought, well, I could, I could ignore it, or I could take it back all the way back to Cleveley's. Bolster, it could be quite expensive, this. I'll phone them up, take advantage of the warranty. And I did. And they took it straight back, and they gave me a courtesy car, and it took a little bit longer than I expected to fix the problem. And they phoned up to apologise for the fact that it was going to take a bit longer to put something right for free. And they could not have been nicer. And it's just the fact that I've got customer service that has really, really shone. And for a little business, because they only had a tiny little business, I just thought that's wonderful and it's heartening that in 2023, when the world is, frankly, it has a lot to learn from itself in terms of customer service, that was exceptional. So yes, I've come away buying a car that I spent quite a bit of money on, but feeling thoroughly like I'd got a good deal and good service. So hats off to all of you chaps. I am very pleased. Oh, that's great. And I'd just like to point out for our listener that we're not sponsored by Cleanly <laughs> Car. But it's nice to point out good customer service. And I, as you say, it makes the difference, doesn't it? Because Virgin Media, massive international multimedia company, was one of your nays. So now they're going to lose millions of subscribers because of what you said. Whereas Cleveleys are going to gain millions because of the service they've given you. Exactly. So, so I will be subscribing to Cleveleys Car Market Internet from now on. Cleveleyscarmarket.com. We've mentioned it before and we've exhausted our yays and nays, but I think we should have a bit of a Christmas congratulations to Doctor Who because it was different from what we were expecting but also it was great so hurrah oh absolutely happy 60th birthday Doctor Who I've had a wonderful time watching it so yes our final all round yay of 2023 is to Doctor Who And we will be back as soon as we can be with lots of New Year goodness. 
We do. We've got the New Year's resolutions. We also have a couple of episodes that we've recorded this year that just haven't been released because of time. It's nothing more than anything. So there will be a couple of peculiar hangovers in January and February that you might think, well, these are a little bit out of date, but they're worth like the wait, the trust me. Special. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Thank you very much to our listeners. May your Christmas days be merry and gay. Happy Christmas, everyone. Ho, ho, ho. Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.